the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now, here is your host, Steve Teal. Are you all ready for this? This is going to be so much fun. If you know me, Steve Teal, your host of Very Bold Radio and Podcast, if you've listened for very long, you know that one of my best friends is Rocco Grimaldi. He is an NHL um, hockey player, not just a hockey player. He is rising. He has had a breakthrough and breakout season for the Nashville Predators. And I want to talk with him to hear about this entire season and even going back further, the backstory of how he's got to this place. Remember, he's five foot six. There's not too many guys. In fact, there's one in all of the NHL that's five foot six. He's had an incredible season up in the NHL, and I'm really excited, but I want to hear from his perspective what this has looked like and how God has got him to this point and how God has got him through the obstacles that he has overcome. You may think he's he's got it made. He's got it made. But there have been obstacles this season, too. So we're going to dive in and talk to Rocco Grimaldi. You're going to love it. And I love this guy. Nice play by Grimaldi. He makes the steal. He comes in one-on-one. Grimaldi looking. Spinning. He scores! Yes, sir! We are talking to Rocco Grimaldi. I love this man. Dude, I just got to say, just forget professional radio, forget all that. I, I just love you. How you doing? <laughs> I love you too, brother. I'm good. I'm good. Well, man, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. And um, I want to talk. There's so much to talk. It's kind of funny because I just wrapped up an interview with uh, the screenwriter for Run the Race. And I wish I had told him, like, man, I've got a story for you to write. It's the story of Rocco Grimaldi and how God has used this amazing man and put him through trial after trial and put his wife through trial after trial with him um, to get to a point where what I would call a breakthrough and then a breakout year with the Nashville Predators. But I want your version of the story. So I, I want to set up the real quick just, oh, your mom is joining us and your and your dad is too. Oh, my gosh, you amazing people. I'm just wrecking radio because I don't care. I love the Grimaldis. And now Abby is watching, and she's not saying a peep. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm so excited. Uh, so, um, <laughs> all right, the, my phone is too far away, Abby, so whatever you read, I can barely see. 
Woohoo, yes, Ernesto helped me out. All right, so um, Rocco, for people who may not know you, and more and more people are knowing you, you, you kind of got famous and you got cool this year um, because you're with the Nashville Predators. But for people who don't know you, just a little background, you are uh, not just a hockey player, and I've been trying to compare you to kind of the Tim Tebow of of hockey just because I know he's someone that you really look up to and I see you and I see how strong you are for Christ and how you stand in Christ and how you share Christ. And I just, man, I'm just like, this guy is amazing. It so happens that you have a platform and it's been growing because of your amazing abilities as a hockey player. Um, so I, I want to hear some of the story and can you just share with uh, some of our listeners I mean, this this last season in particular, but even leading up to it. I mean, I, I don't know where you want to start, but even this season, even with your breakout year, you still had ups and downs. So, all right, here's where I want to start. Take me back to when you know that you're not going to play for the Colorado Avs. This is why you were in San Antonio the first time you were with the Florida Panthers. They traded you to the Colorado Avs. You played for the Florida Panthers affiliate here in San Antonio one year. Then you played somewhere back east, Maine or somewhere, and then you get traded to Avs, and so you play in San Antonio again. Um, during that season, in about February, I get to know you part in part because of your mom and in part because of Roland Rees and, and largely in part because of you and Abby. Um, and I remember at the end of that season, like I think David and David was there too, just praying and saying, okay, God, it's great that we've got to know Rocco and Abby. They feel like family to us. We love them, but we don't want them to come back to San Antonio. So we're trying to pray them away. But then the next season, you guys were back again. And, uh, I mean, great for us from the standpoint of we're your family. We got to spend all this time with you, which is amazing, and cheering you on and, and praying for you and all that good stuff. But we want you up in the NHL. So after that season, you are not going to resign with the Avalanche. You call me and tell me like your different choices of who you can sign with and who's like reached out to you. Can you take it from there? Can you like tell us, I mean, how you decided to sign with the Nashville Predators? Yep, sure. Um, before I start, I like to say a nice sweatshirt. You know, I put it on. You know, uh, I put it on just for you because it's about eighty-five degrees in the studio. So that nice sheen of sweat <laughs> is is for you, Rocco. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I guess yeah. So I knew I wasn't going to go back to Colorado. I was a free agent, and basically, our prayer was that he would make it obvious as to which team we should choose. He would just make it so obvious that it wouldn't even be like a back and forth between one team and another, or a few teams or whatever. So that was our prayer going into basically the end of June and the beginning of July is when all the fun stuff starts. So yeah, um, that's what our prayer that's what our prayer was, and and he answered my prayer um, the exact way I, I asked it, but in a totally different way than I expected it. What does that mean? And I guess what I, what I mean by that is when the teams are actually able to approach you, there's like a, there's a date. Um, that they're actually able to talk to you. And, and then after that, there's a date where they're actually able to sign you. Um, there's just a lot of different rules in the NHL with, with that kind of stuff. So um, Nashville was the first team that reached out, and it was basically like within the hour of them, um, the hour that they were able to, yeah. according to the rules. Um, so I spoke with them, and, I mean, the GM was on there, the head coach. There was 
Uh, a lot of staff from Nashville. There's a lot of there's staff from Milwaukee. Like it's uh, it seemed like it was a pretty full room, which was cool. Yeah, um, they were honest with me. They they told me basically what happened this year. Um, but they needed you know they needed some depth and that I could provide some depth and didn't mean I was going to make the team out of camp. Yeah, uh, it didn't mean I was going to play as many games as I did. Um, but that there was opportunity if you know. I did end up making it, or if I didn't, and then someone got hurt or wasn't playing well or whatever. Um, basically, it just sounded like there, there could be some good opportunity, whether that was right from the get-go or the middle of the year and at the end of the year or whatever. And it, it was nice because, you know, when, when you're making a decision like this, I don't want people to just kind of tell me what I want to hear. Right. I, wanna, I want them to tell me what's, what's honest. I mean, they could have just said, yeah, you'll, you'll play for sure, and, you know, that's not what I want to hear because I've heard that from, from different people before, and it doesn't happen. Right. Um, I just like that they were truthful and honest and, and told me what was what to expect and what probably would happen or could happen. The, the GM in, in Milwaukee and he also you know does player development stuff. Uh, his name is Scott Nickel. He um, was a smaller guy as well. Played in the NHL for a long time. He was on that phone call and he was even telling me like you know I, I get it. Uh, I played in the minors for a long time. I don't, I, I don't know if he played five or whatever years in the minors. And then he said, I finally got with that right team. I got my breakthrough. And then he not only played whatever, seven to ten years in the NHL after that, never went down again. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So he, you know, it was good to hear that someone could relate yeah. to my story. Um, and that, that was comforting. So I had a really good talk with them. Um, thought everything went well. And I could tell that they were, they were interested in us or they're interested in me. And um, that was exciting. But after that, I only talked to two other teams. And, uh, you know, basically you can kind of gauge the interest by who's on the phone. That's so interesting, so yeah. They had, yeah, but because Nashville had everyone on the phone that was important, you could tell that you were important. Um, the other two teams that I talked to, it was just one person, a phone call. You know, it wasn't this group of 10 or so, you know. Yeah. Um, minors quite a bit, and it uh, didn't really seem like there was much opportunity up top. It just sounded like I was going to be someone down, down low in the minors, maybe be a leader to help develop some prospects and you know that's that's great you know there's a lot of guys that do that and there's guys that i've played with that have done that and you know it's it's, it's awesome it's important um but i didn't feel like that was what i one i didn't want to do that and two i didn't feel like that's what i i needed to do i feel like i'm still young i feel like i can still play oh I yeah feel like it was time to kind of throw throw in the towel and just kind of think like this is this is going to be my life but sometimes there were, there were thoughts that would come through my mind when you're, you sit there for four years wondering what's going on and wonder if you'll ever get a chance. And, you know, I just didn't think that that was, that was going to be um, what I was going to do. It's not what I believed I could do for the rest of my career. So, you know, I didn't dream about playing in the minors when I was in the NHL. So, um, right. you know, if I had to fight until I'm 40 years old to make that happen, I was willing to do that. So um, I guess... You know, basically what I was saying about how he answered my prayer in a totally opposite way. Yeah. Well, I expected maybe, you know, it's 31 teams. I expected maybe 10 teams to reach out yeah. and kind of, you know, figure it out from there and pray about it. Well, three teams reached out. Two teams really only wanted me in the minors, and only one team told me I had potentially an opportunity to play. So that was pretty obvious, I guess. So, right. Yeah, he, an- he answered it in the exact way that I wanted. Maybe it, you know, was a stab at my pride, but at the end of the day, he, uh, he did what I asked, and been a bit happier with that decision. That's amazing. And I remember, you know, it's so funny to me. You're such a storyteller that I, I 
I don't think I'll ever forget the day that you called me and told me the story of who you were going to sign with and and you did it like a mystery. I mean, you're like, so there's this one one team and here's what they want. <laughs> da, da, da. You you remember and you're like uh yeah, <laughs> and and you're like, can you guess which one? And I I certainly knew one of the one of the one of the NHL clubs. I figured that one out. And then uh, you asked the question. Um, you kind of gave a clue, like, well, which city would be really good uh, for me and for Abby? Do you remember saying that? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a man of mystery. And I love surprises. So, yeah. <laughs> Yes, and you've definitely surprised uh, surprised me in my life several times, and uh, they've always been great surprises. So I appreciate it. And so then, when we figured, or when I figured out, yeah, that sounds like Nashville because Abby is a Christian singer. Abby is a motivational speaker. Maddie has uh, um, Abby. Excuse me, Abby has. Uh, yes, your Texas dad just uh, slaughtered your name. Sorry, um, Abby has all this going. It makes perfect sense that it would be in Nashville. Um, and it's, it's crazy to me. And, you know, I want to just tell our, um, I want to tell our viewers and our listeners for those that don't know, Rocco is five foot six and, uh, in the NHL, there's not a ton of five foot six guys. You are the shortest guy in the NHL, right? I mean, that is true, right? There's not a lot of 5'6", because there's only one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget even the first time I got to talk to you on the phone, um, you know, having read that at the Combine many years ago, the scouting Combine, and when people said, oh, are, are you 5'7", and it would have been easy just to hedge up an inch, but you just owned it and said, no, I'm 5'6". And I love that about you, um, and it's I, I just think it's amazing. So I want our listeners and our viewers to know the story of how you've persevered and overcome. You've had to overcome, even though you've had incredible, I mean, you have incredible talent and skills, but just simply because you're not the whatever, six foot or six foot two or or five foot eleven, um, prototypical, whatever they're looking for in a forward, you've had to overcome that time and time again, it seems like to me. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing that I was never tall growing up because it kind of got me used to what my life is going to be like. Yeah. I know kids that were, you know, they grew up really fast, you know, before they were 10 years old and they were bigger than everybody else. And all of a sudden that was it. And everyone else started growing. And then all of a sudden they were the smallest. And yeah. that's, that's like pretty, that's pretty difficult to cope with and, and figure out. But I was, you know, since I was four and I started, I was always the smallest on every team. Like, I never had a growth spurt like that. It basically probably grew an inch a, inch a year, it seems. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I never I never was tall. I never was medium. I was always the smallest one. So uh, it got me used to, you know, what life was going to be like. So that was good. But, um, you know, it's kind of interesting how my pro career has, has started compared to how my hockey career started when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, there wasn't there wasn't really a lot of challenges for me as a kid. Interesting, um, yeah. And I'm not just saying this to, to brag or anything, but I was always the best on every team. I always led every team in points. Um, a lot of people consider me the best in my in my age group for, for the entire world. Um, I always played up a year or two, sometimes three and four levels. Even, wow. Um, just to get, yeah, just because I feel like I needed I needed something more. Um, so in that aspect, there really wasn't a lot of challenges. Um, I made just about every team I, I tried out for. I, you know, I didn't have that kind of struggle. Um, mm-hmm. so we were fortunate enough to get an opportunity to move to Michigan when I was 12. 
my, my family took a risk and, and uh, we did that and that went up that went well uh, I remember uh, one of my best buddies now Sam he was on that team and I remember him telling me the story that you know the team finds out oh we got some kids from California coming and, and obviously Michigan <laughs> is, is a hot bed right hot. you know they hear we all oh, we got a kid from California that's gonna come join our team and Sam told me like when he heard that he was like oh goodness a kid from <laughs> California this will be funny right um, and so he, he, he tells me that we were doing a one-on-one drill full ice, and, you know, the forwards would go around the net, pick up a puck, and the D would gap up, and it'd be one-on-one. And he sees that he was going against me, and he was like, oh, boy, this will be easy. <laughs> I don't really remember this, but, but uh, you know, he tells me that I picked up the puck behind the net, and I just blew by him at the near blue line. I went for a breakaway and scored, and, <laughs> and he said, oh, my goodness. Um, so I guess that, that was beating expectations, I guess, but... I mean that's just that's just kind of how it was growing up. I was able to yeah. play for the U.S. national team. Right. Uh, had a really good really good career there. Yeah, you um, think you you scored what the tying and the winning goal for the gold or right? In the World Juniors, I did. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But yeah, my two years there, I I think I led my I think I led the team in points both years. Like was was successful. Yeah. And more importantly than that, I won three gold medals. Uh, then out of the fourth a couple of years later, which a lot of guys can't say that they're they're four for four on gold. So wow, special. And I'm you know proud to be a part of so many teams that have that have won. And you know uh, especially at, at at each competition, you 17s, 18s, and 20s. Uh, that's really special to be a part of a group that's done that. And I don't know how many how many guys have done it. I think it's probably on one hand the amount of guys who have done it or less. Wow, yeah. So it's uh, it's special. Sure. Yeah, so I mean, just growing up, there really wasn't a lot of that, I don't know, that backlash. I mean, I heard I heard a lot of people talking, and I would read stuff online, um, you know, saying, "Oh, he was successful at this level, but he won't be at this at this." And then I would be successful at that level, and then now oh, he was successful at that level, but he won't be successful at this new one. And then you know, it was kind of like a trend. Uh, I used to actually print out things that people would say about me, and that were negative, and I print them out and I put them in my tape bag. And I read them before games. I, uh, what? I did that when I was yeah. I did that when I was I don't know 14 or 15, and I was playing on the U16 team. And wow. so I remember before the season starts, I read some that someone wrote saying something along the lines of, "Yeah, Rocker was really successful at the bantam level, but the midget level is a lot different. Now you got another year of guys that are older and they're more mature, and you know he." He's going to come crashing down faster than if someone jumped off a 25-foot story building. Um, wow. So, some, yeah, some along the lines of that was just pretty, I don't know how someone's mind could even, and I'll figure that out. But um, <laughs> I remember printing that one out. I printed another one out. And I would read them before every game. And Dang, I did not remember that. Them. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I see all that stuff. So I, I'd print it out. I'd read it. I'd, I'd motivate myself, and I'd go out, and I'd play. And we were successful state champions, national champions. And the year was the most successful yet. Then I heard it again the next year. Yeah. And the next year, same thing. Most successful year yet. So, in terms of that, I guess, but never never anything like in pro, you know, in, in terms of being pushed down and told not time yet, you're not good enough, you're not big enough. And, you know, it was just kind of a shock, I guess, because I was so successful at right. every level. Yeah, but I expected to be successful at this one too, and right away. And that I'd have to go through it for even a year or two, let alone four, 
was a shock, and uh, it was something that I did not expect, and it was really hard at times. Um, I think mentally it was harder than anything. Yeah. Uh, just the thoughts that go through your head of, I'm not good enough, I'll never make it. Wow. Um, even though I was, I was wildly successful in the minors, um, I mean, the year you met me, I, I finished third in the league in goals, only played four NHL games that year, didn't even get a snap. So, yeah. I mean, thoughts that are thoughts that come in your head when you're when you're doing really well and still not getting a chance, I think are worse than if you're not doing well and not getting a chance. True. Because, you know, my mind's telling me, you've done everything you can, so you're not going to get a chance ever because, you know, what else can you do? What's the point? You know, that was, that, those are the questions that go through my head. What's the point? You're right. doing everything you can. You're doing everything that they ask. You're not getting a chance. You'll never get a chance. Wow. So that so that was kind of the, the mindset that I had to really fight through and, and figure out how to how to get through that because, you know, the battles inside your head, just with yourself, it's a lot harder than yeah. the battles that you have, you know, with, with what people say about you. Yeah. Well, Rocco, I mean, real quick, because it's amazing as you're, like, walking me through some of the journey, and I remember just different things. I remember, you know, being so excited when you were called up to Colorado, and I remember, um, you know, you going to Sweden, and you, you didn't get a lot of ice time. But I remember, I mean, in fact, afterwards, you were you were kind of frustrated because I'm saying kind of frustrated because you got like seven minutes. But during that one game, like I remember you had like three passes that were like perfect passes to set up goals that for whatever reason, you know, I mean, it's hard to score goals, but your, your guys, your line didn't score. And after the game, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm looking like, Oh my gosh. I mean, he should have just had three assists and I mean, all these things that could have happened that just, you know, the puck doesn't bounce the right way, or I don't know, you know, if God sometimes is holding something back almost. I mean, it was hard to watch when you were so close to, you know, just breaking through and breaking out. But anyway, that's my little parentheses. Okay. Back to, back to the story. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's kind of how, that's kind of how the minors and my first four years went for me. Um, you know, I was, I was successful. I put up good numbers. I feel like I got better each year. And um, unfortunately, we didn't have a ton of team success. The first couple of years, we made the playoffs, but uh, we lost in the first round. And the last two years, we, we were dead last in our division. We weren't even close to making the playoffs. So that was another thing, too. I was so used to not only yeah. just being successful individually, but I was so used to winning all the time. Right. You know, on teams that would compete and go deep and, and win, you know, state or national championships or gold medals like i think i think i went four years in a row before i went to college i think i went four years in a row winning the last game of the year for the championship that's crazy like a lot of people can't say that they no. they can do that so i i've really got used to winning yeah um so then to not even make the playoffs and not just not make the playoffs but be out of the playoffs two months before the season was even over right um was frustrating because it's like what are you playing for you know but that, that's another mental thing that you had to fight through, knowing that, well, I am playing for something. You know, I got to play the right way. I got to be a team guy. I got to show them that I still care about the team, even though we're out. I got to, you know, I'm, I need a contract this summer. You know, there's a lot of things you can still play for. Right. Um, so then, yeah, going into the summer, I knew it was going to be another team. Um, it's be my third team in five years. Didn't, you know, I didn't know who to expect or what to expect or where it was going to be. Um, like I said, I just prayed about it, that he'd make it obvious, and and uh, he did. Yeah. And, you know, I, I worked my butt off this summer to try to try to make this thing happen again. And 
think that's I think that's the hardest thing is sometimes when the first team tells you, you know, they don't really want you anymore and they trade you, you figure, Oh, that just didn't work out with that team but then when it's another team Yeah. You start wondering, well maybe it's not just that team, maybe it's just me. Sure. Then the, then the scare is well when a third team comes, if I get rejected again, well I'm just a reject. Right. You know, that that's um that's kind of the mindset. That's kind of the thing I had to I had to battle through. Um, how did you battle through? So how, I, do you, I, I, how do you overcome that? Like, oh, I mean, I, go ahead, Rocco. Yeah, I mean, sorry. Um, I mean, you know, I prayed about it, but uh, I consider myself someone who's pretty mentally mentally tough. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> one thing one thing that I told my buddy, who's who's uh, kind of in a similar situation as me in sports. Um, Mm. I told him just a few weeks ago, I said that, you know, when I was going through the worst part, there was always just like a small, just a very small, tiny hint of hope. Mm. And I said, I held on to that as hard as I could, no matter how small it was. And I think there's there's, there's a, a verse and a story in the Bible when it wasn't rain in the land of Israel or something, and there was just a small cloud, I think, the size of a man's hand. Yeah. And that, that was kind of like my little hope. It was so small. But I held on to it, and then, you know, the story ends with there was a torrential downpour, you know, on the land. They were in a uh, severe drought. Yeah. And so that's kind of like my situation. I had such a small little piece of hope, and I could have just let it go because it's so small. What's it going to do? But I, I held on to it, you know, in the hope that that would just push me to get to where I wanted to be. And I think it did. Yeah. Um, you know, along the way, along the way, I had people like you that came into my life. Um <laughs> And a lot of people that push me, tell me to not stop, to remind me um, who I was as a kid and how successful I was and um, that I was good enough. You know, right. when sometimes I wondered and my mind would tell me or other people would tell me, um, I had people like you guys to, to keep pushing me through. And that's really important because without you and other people, I don't know if I would have. Um, I'm not mentally strong enough to do it all. Right. Um so it's important to get around people who believe in you, believe in the things that you believe in, and are willing to push you and or drag you. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, I, and, you, and as you know, I'm not the most easily encourageable person. You know, you can tell me 50 wonderful things about myself, and they, you know, I just say, well, cool, thanks. You know, it's, like, it's not like I, I feel it so deeply. I'm like, wow, I'm awesome. Like, I'm very hard to encourage, but... You know, sometimes you guys had to had to drag me through and um, put up with the crap that was coming out of my mouth. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's important to have people like that. Um, but I remember specifically one time, and this actually happened twice in the summer. God gave me—I don't know if you want to call it a vision or a thought or whatever—yeah, about my situation, and um, He showed me that the three days of Jesus, you know, He's beaten, He's crucified. On day one, he was just straight up dead. On day two, and then day three, he rose from the dead. He showed me how that was relating to my my own story. Yeah. And this is basically what it is. So, day one, Jesus was beaten. Jesus, you know, ridiculed. He spit on, smacked, all of the craziness. And then at the end of it all, he's crucified, and he, and he dies on a cross. And the Lord showed me, well, day one for you represents Team One. You were beaten. Whoa. You were torn down. You were lied about, people were wow. saying things about you, telling them that you did this or said that when you didn't, and your name was dragged through the mud, and 
you were basically you were crucified on that cross. Dang. On team one in my first my first two years in Florida. Yeah. And then and then well you know I, I get traded as you know you're excited for a new team but at the end of the day it was it was actually worse because day two is the worst day of the three Whoa. because day one you're alive until they you know do stuff they they can say stuff to you and they can do whatever but then they finally. They finally kill you, but day two, you're just straight up dead. There's no hope. There's no glimmer of light. There's nothing. Yeah. So, team team two, I, I had no hope. Yeah. I was numb. Um, when good things would happen to me, I would just say, that's cool, whatever. Yeah. When bad things would happen to me, I'd be like, oh, well, that stinks. There was, literally, I was so numb, I didn't feel anything good or bad. Yeah. I was just straight up dead, and it was just straight up dark. Um, yeah. And so, day two is just, it's the worst, because there's no hope. Yeah, because there's nothing. It's just it's just death, and it's it's just rotting and numbing. And so that's how that's how I felt in Colorado. But then day three is all of a sudden day three comes, and it's just it makes you totally forget about day two. Yeah, day three comes, and Jesus is risen from the dead in the morning. Yeah, and and then obviously you know the rest of that story. So he showed me this is before the season even started. Whoa, before this is this is probably in June or July. This is way before anything even happened. Um, wow. At day three, day three represents team three. And he said to me, <laughs> team three and day three, they both represent resurrection and they both represent new life and new opportunities. And you and you will be risen. Dang. You raised to new things that I didn't expect. And so I heard that and I held on to it. Wow. And at the end of summer, I heard, I heard it again, the same exact dream, vision, whatever you want to call it. Oh, my it. gosh, I love Anything it. Like that one. Yeah, it's weird. Day one, day two, day three. And so I just believe that, you yeah. know what, no matter what happens this year, I believe that this is the team of new beginnings. This is the team of new opportunities. You know, it doesn't matter that it hasn't happened for two teams. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen for any team. But something about this team, this third team, day three, resurrection, new life. Wow. Something about this is going gonna, is gonna to happen. And that's what I, I grabbed a hold of that. And I never forgot it, and I never will. Wow, that is incredible! Oh my gosh! All right, so um, now that that's amazing. That blows me away. Um, all right, now I want to I want to if you would walk us through a little bit of the season, including the preseason, because I know you had an amazing uh, preseason camp, and even though they had been totally honest and said. Uh, look, you know, we, we like our forwards, so we don't necessarily have a spot, but just come in and compete. I mean, they're totally honest, and if you get sent down to Milwaukee, um, you're going to be on the power play. You know, we're going to count on you down there, but just do your thing. But then I know you had a fantastic camp, so you had to be, like, thinking, okay, I know they said whatever, but surely I've made the team, but you didn't make the team right out of camp. What was your mindset then? Yeah, so I, I went into camp, and, and like you said, I did really well. Um, I think I played like four games, and I, I just did a you know, really good job. It was probably my best camp yet. I feel like each each year I've, I've had a better camp, you know, each and every year, and I think this one was probably my best, and it's where I felt the most comfortable, and, um, you know, I was excited about potentially earning a spot at a camp. I knew that basically there was only, a, you know, one or two spots available for like four or five guys, and... Um, you know, everyone's a good player and everyone plays a role that's important. So I knew it was going to be extremely difficult. Right. Um, so yeah, when I, when I, when I got that call and I knew it was, I knew it was coming that, you know, the rosters need to be set. So you're kind of like, you're kind of sitting by your phone wondering if it's you and 
you know, people in sports can relate to this, especially pros, and they, they know it's, you know, it's judgment day, <laughs> basically. Right. Um, and you're just hoping that you don't say, hey, coach wants to see you, or you don't get that call. Uh, unfortunately, I woke up to a voicemail uh, Dang. saying, come in and, and see, see coach, and I knew exactly what that meant. So I walked over to the rink and mm. told me that I, I played awesome. I exceeded expectations. I did everything that I need to do, but, you know, they've, they, they've had a veteran group. They've had guys that have been around for a while. Um, they wanted to stick with their team right now. Uh, there's nothing against me, but, you know, if guys weren't performing or if there's injuries that, that I'd be back up if I was um, continuing to play the right way in Milwaukee and just to continue to, to do what I was doing, um, that they liked me and, and all that. So it was nice hearing that part of it about, you know, potential opportunity to come back and that they liked what I did. But, yeah. you know, me being me, like, yeah. no is no. You know, I, I was frustrated. I was upset. And I really, like, I was really, I wasn't disappointed in myself because I knew right. I gave everything I could. I was just disappointed at what happened. Sure. Um, so we later that day, we, we basically picked up. We, we drove to Milwaukee. So that's like, a, I don't know, nine, ten-hour drive. So that's a lot of time to think and process what happened and, and uh, you know, the good thing was I didn't feel like I was a failure. Like, all oh, teams, again, um, like I said about the days one through three and just that little glimmer mm. of hope, there's something inside of me that felt okay and didn't feel as disappointed or heartbroken about a sundown. Because, I, I, you know, I've been sent down five years in a row. Right. And I know how it feels to be sent down. But for some reason, this one felt different. It didn't feel like, oh, I'm going to the minors and I'm never going to return because that's how it was the other four years for the most part. Yeah. You knew that, I, that you weren't going to come back for more than a couple of games at a time. You just knew. Yeah. For some reason, I didn't feel that way. And a lot of times, guys will go to the minors and they'll have a bad attitude because they don't want to be there. They don't think they deserve or belong there. But I basically had a choice. So I go down there and say, well, this thinks. Who cares? You know, the minors, I don't, I, don't, I don't care what happens here. I just want to play in the NHL. You can have that mindset. Or you can say, you know what, let's go down here. Let's play the exact same way I played at camp. Do everything I can to help Milwaukee be successful and win hockey games. And then when opportunity comes, you'll be ready and hope to stick from there. So it's basically one of two things. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to do everything that I did here in practice and in games. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to help this team get off to the best start they've ever had. We're going to be successful as a team. We're going to win games. Because when you win games in, in the minors, yeah. The team up top will take notice and, and think, oh, they're successful so for some reason. So if things don't go well, they know that they can bring up some guys who are, who are you know, already in success. Right. So they know that they can trust them to bring success to the next level. So that's what I did. I went down. Um, fortunately enough, we got to start in Texas. So I, got I to love it. Play against my two favorite teams, CU, and speak <laughs> <laughs> at your youth group and everything. And then the next the next week, we got to go to California. I got to hang out with my family. And, right. Um, you know, that was that was really cool. Uh, got off to a, to a really good start. Uh, I think our team was seven one and one or six wow. one and one or I don't know something like that. Really hot start. First place in the division. I think I had ten points in seven games or or whatever. Crazy. Um, I was doing really well. Um, fortunately for me, it was a brand new coach in Milwaukee. Uh, sometimes when you have the same coach from the year before. Other guys kind of have a the inside route. He knows them. He doesn't oh. know you, but the new, new coach, fresh start for me and for everybody. 
And the best part was, was he knew me probably better than he knew anyone else because he was the assistant coach in Texas for the Dallas Stars affiliate, the Texas Stars. Oh. For the last, I don't know, four or five four or five years, whatever he was there for. Crazy. And so because I was in San Antonio for three of those four, uh, three of my first four years, we would play against Texas 12 times a year. Seemed like 42, but yeah. Game, but <laughs> yeah, it's basically... Basically, I played. I probably played about thirty of those games. So he, yeah. he'd seen me a lot. Yeah, and I always, for whatever reason, I always did extremely well against their team. I always played really good and, and, and was successful, and they were fun games. So he knew me, which was great. And so he, you know, basically from day one, he brought me in and talked to me and and uh, gave me amazing opportunities in the minors. Um, you know, I was playing top six minutes. I was playing power play. I was playing penalty kill, which I have never played penalty yeah. kill in my pro career, but I've always wanted to. I know yeah. that I can. Yeah. Um, six on five, five on six. Every situation, even if, even killing off five on three, I was out there killing them. Wow. Um, overtime, everything. Yeah. But he gave me every opportunity to be, to be successful. Yeah. And I was extremely grateful for the opportunity, and I went and I rolled with it and played great. And that's a, that's a big part about you know, him giving me an opportunity, but it's also about me taking, you know, advantage of that. Right. And so, yeah, had a great start. Woke up one morning, basically a day or two after we finally were able to move into the apartment and got the call saying that a defenseman got hurt and you're going up, which is very unusual because D-man gets hurt, D-man goes up. Forward gets hurt, forward goes up. Yeah. It doesn't really work like, oh, forward gets hurt, a defenseman's got, if you didn't call it, that's not how it works. So, when I heard that a defenseman was hurt and I was going up, and they already had, I think, two extra fours at the time, I was like, wow, this is <laughs> this is different. Yeah. Um, and I went up, met the team in New Jersey. Uh, Coach Laviolette pulled me aside um, after the morning skate and said, I called you up for a reason. You deserve this. You played awesome at camp. Mm. You deserve to be here at a camp, but there's no room. You went down to Milwaukee. You did everything you did in camp. Mm. You had a great attitude. You played awesome. You really helped them get off to a great start. So now come up here, just have fun. Like don't worry about making mistakes. Just enjoy the game. Like wow. you burned it. And just you know enjoy it. Whatever. And so I was like, wow, this is great. I got to play second line. Um, Terrence Smith, two really good players, and and uh, you know we played we played well. We, we won that game, and and then all of a sudden just crazy things started happening where one guy would get hurt. Yeah, and it would just give me, a, you know, another week or two to to be up, and then once he would come back, then another guy would get hurt. So then I, I would still have a few more days, and then he would come back, and then another guy would get hurt, and it was so weird because it's never happened in my pro career. Usually, it seems like every team I've been on, everyone's super healthy, but right for whatever reason, our team was really banged up this year, and it gave me a lot more time to stay, and so I stayed for I think 28 days and then they, they ended up sending me down because everyone was, was back and healthy and um, Gosh. you know I was obviously upset and frustrated but I understood um, I, I, you know, I've been around the block and I got it right um, and then I once again had the decision do you go back and say oh I played in the NHL for a month you know whatever I'll be the first call up or do you go back and say you know what let's help Milwaukee win games again let's be the best you can be and then hope for another call up well I chose the latter again yeah Went down played a couple of games um, we won both of those games in uh, shootouts, I believe, even. Uh, won both those games, and all of a sudden, three days after I got sent down, coach comes to me on the bus. We're busting back to Milwaukee. says, hey, you're out of here again. <laughs> what do you think? So, well, tourists got hurt, so you're going back. Like tomorrow, you and, you know, you earned it again. Hopefully, <laughs> we don't come back this time. Nice. You know, 
so I was like, wow, I expected to be down for at least a month or two or whatever. Like, I didn't expect to be back that fast. Right. Um, and then after that, I never I never went back again. Wow. Um, I was up the rest of the year, which was awesome. It was yeah. such, a, such a baby step here, which is, which is actually really cool. I mean, I played my first 12 games. I was a healthy scratch for six of them and played the other six. Yeah. And I got sent down for those, those few days. And then I got called back up with a healthy scratch for a game or two. <laughs> then I got in the lineup, and then I then I kind of carved out a fourth line role, fourth line spot. Played maybe thirty or thirty five games in a row. Yeah. And then they traded for a couple different bodies that wanted bigger bodies that they wanted for the playoffs. Okay. And then I went back out of the lineup for three. They thought that they that they wanted to put me back in um, to see if you know if I was going to continue where I left off before they took me out. I went back in. I played extremely well. Never taken out again. Fortunately, had an injury, uh, strained an oblique and broke the rib. Oh yeah, had an injury at the end of March. Missed the two weeks, and then uh, yeah, and the rest of the year happened, which was pretty cool. The rest of the year was really cool because it was, like I said, to me, it felt like oh, this has been a breakthrough year, and uh, you know, just Rocco has. We've known all along he belonged in the NHL, but I mean, you proved it. And uh, you had that amazing goal. Um, I think you scored five in the regular season, I think, uh, maybe. But um, yep. you had the Spinorama yep. goal, which was, you know, top uh, Sports Center top play of the day. People can look that up online right now. Um, I think you told me it was going to be the number two goal of the year. Uh, maybe you got beat out by somebody else. I don't know. But it was amazing, incredible. I still bring out my phone and show people that goal. But then you get injured near the end of the year, like you said. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He's playing so great. And then when you come back into the playoffs, you've been injured, so they don't put you right into the lineup right away. Um, I feel like uh, I don't remember everything like you do, but the Preds may have struggled um, in game one. I don't, I don't remember. Or maybe it was game two. But then they, they put you back in. And I think you did you score a goal that first game in the playoffs? Yeah, so what happened was um, I got hurt at the end of March, was out, I think, two, I think maybe three weeks. Yeah. I was cleared to play mm. uh, between the first and the second period of Game One, so I was obviously a healthy scratch for Game One. So I wasn't uh, I wasn't able to play. Right. Um, I saw the doctor during the intermission, and I was cleared to play. So wow. I was healthy and able to play. I was healthy and able to play Game Two, but they uh, they had guys um, they had guys come back from injuries, suspensions, whatever. They had you know different guys they traded for, so they had a full they had a full roster. So once again, I was the odd man out. Yeah. So I wasn't going to play game two. They had two days in between games one and two. It's usually it's every other day you play, but yeah. for reason they had a few days off. And so I was I was with um, basically the healthy scratches, and we would practice by ourselves and whatever. Didn't expect to play. I just was you know just happy to be back from injury and just you know hoping hoping that I would get back in at some point. Coach told me the day. The day before the game, he said the scratches are gonna are gonna skate in the morning. There's a game, the game was at five, so none of the players, the game players, were gonna skate. Just the scratches, but he told me to keep it short, um, just in case. Wow. Uh, Brian Boyle was having having stomach cramps, and things were, you know, something weird was going on around his tummy or whatever. And you know, I've had stomach cramps stomach cramps before, and I know they they're painful and it stinks, but I figured, you know, he'll play. You right. Know, it's a playoff; he's gonna play. So the next day, I, I'm there. It's game day. I'm, I'm on the ice at nine with the rest of the scratches. And um, our trainer comes over and tells me it's time to get off. And I said, "Yeah, I know. You know, Lavi told me to keep it short." He said, "No, no, no. Time to get off now. You actually <laughs> really might be playing right now." Wow. 
I was like, oh, okay. So I got off about 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes before everyone else. I was sitting in my stall. Dan Hankins came over, uh, saw me, and he, he says, hey, uh, wow, you guys are already, you guys are already off the ice. That was quick. I said, no, they're still on. I might have to play today. And he said, you might have to or you get to. <laughs> and I was like, dang. You know, because sometimes you, you can ask guys. Guys who just take warm-ups uh, and you know you're not going to play. Like, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. It's mentally really hard. Yeah. Uh, you you want to prepare for the game, but you also know you're not playing. and It's, it's tough. Yeah. And so it's kind of a frustrating place to be in. When he said that to me, I was like, you know what? I might get a chance to play in the playoffs. I haven't played a playoff game in three years. Uh, I'm finally back from injury. I know it wasn't a long injury, but injury is an injury. Three, three weeks, I'm back. I get to play. I get to play in Nashville, which is crazy in the playoffs. Heck, this is awesome. Right. So I, I drive home. I drive home to prepare like I'm in. On the way home, our assistant coach calls me and said, you are 100% playing tonight. You are in. And I said, wow, what's going on with Boiler? Oh, Boiler's going to need his appendix out. So it was a little more than just uh, <laughs> Right. So, yeah, another fluke thing, and that, that's what happens in pro sports. You never hope that anyone gets hurt or goes through something like that. But when opportunity comes, you have to be ready for it. And so I went home. I was excited. I was excited to play. I was excited by, by what Hammer said to me. And wow. Got my mind right. Went out, scored the first goal of the game to, to, uh, to tie it at tied at one or sorry scored the first goal for our team to tie it at one uh we went into overtime and and uh was once again on the ice for that goal yeah and uh we won two to one in overtime and, and, and played well i think i played maybe eight minutes or something but played really well and yeah our coaches our coaches were extremely pleased with my effort and they told me a way to be ready a way to step in and rise up when we needed to whatever um also in game two we had another forward get hurt Gosh. i knew for sure i was gonna i was gonna play game three um <laughs> And now, now Boyle and Simmons were out, and I knew I was going to play game three. Went in, played game three, scored just a random blue goal, came over the blue line, up the right side, threw it on net, happened to slip through the goalie, went in again, and, and just like, what is going on? This is crazy. I'm almost halfway to how many goals I had. Right. Uh, yeah, so we won that game again. We're up two games to one. I'm wow. excited. Like, gosh, this is, this is awesome. Like, the puck's finally going in for me. Right. Um, we, ended up, we ended up losing game four pretty badly. Went back for a game five. But at the end of game four, I was chasing the guy down. He, he pulled on the, you know, he stopped, pulled up the brakes. And I stopped with him, but my ankle got caught between him and the board. Mm. And uh, I jammed it pretty good. Um, sprained my ankle. Played the rest of the game. I was at the end of the second period. Played the rest of the game. Uh, didn't feel too terrible. Uh, flew home that night. Got off the plane and I could, could barely even walk. Wow. Um, once again, thank, thankfully, we had two days off between games instead of the normal one. I was extremely frustrated by that. I woke up the next morning hoping, ah, maybe it's just, you know, hurting from the, being up so high in the air at the altitude and all the pressure. Uh, woke up the next morning, I felt even worse. I barely even put pressure on it. I was limping so bad. Um, went to the rink just to, to do some recovery stuff as an off day. Um, and barely even put my skate on. Um, wow. Tried to take a couple of strides, just you know, in my sweats, my skates. Went out there, couldn't even take one stride. Yeah. Couldn't even walk, to be honest. In my boot, it hurt so bad. Um, so I was extremely frustrated. I went home really disappointed. You know, I at this year of all these ups and downs, I finally get in the in the lineup in the playoffs. I'm excited. Right. Start scoring goals, helping our team. It's a tied series at two back home. 
and then I get hurt again? Are you right. kidding me? I know. And I was I was really frustrated at God. Like, God, how do you give me this glimmer of hope and I'm excited and I'm playing well? And then basically, it seems like I know He doesn't take He doesn't take it away, but it's like God. It seems like you're just allowing this to happen and taking this all away from me. Right. And I was really frustrated that whole day. I was on the couch sitting there and just so angry. And Abby confessed I was so angry and frustrated. I wrote in my journal a lot that day. Yeah. Just all the feelings I was feeling. Next day was a practice day, and I was really praying, God, I really, I really want to play. I want to help my team win. I'm playing well. This is the best time to play in the playoffs. It's a tied series. We're playing against a great team. It's been so, so fun to play in these games. I need you to just help my ankle to feel as good as possible that I, I'm able to play. Please, please, and help and also help my attitude, like help me to not be negative about this and upset. Just help me yeah. mentally to be good. So I woke up the next morning. It was feeling better. Went to the rink. They held me off the ice for practice. Said it was a maintenance day. Um, tried different tape jobs on my ankle. Put my skate on. It felt a lot better. So I was excited. I had, once again, that glimmer of hope. And they said, you know what? Come in the next morning. Um, take warm-ups. And if you, if you can play, you're going to play. If not, we'll have someone else take warm-ups just in case. And that was really, really huge for me to hear because, you know, earlier in the year I, I got sick and I was going to play, but they told me, you know, don't worry about it, we'll have, we'll have someone else play. Because yeah. I, really, I really wasn't that important. Yeah. And now it's the playoffs, the most important time of the year, and they said, well, if you can play, you're going to play. Oh, that's awesome. That was like a huge, like, boost of confidence for me. Like, you know what, these guys, if I have one leg, they want me to play. Yeah, fantastic. That was, that was super encouraging and yeah. boosted my confidence. So next day I woke up. Wow. Still didn't feel great. Um, wasn't sure if I was going to play or not. The game was at 2, so it was an earlier game, so I didn't, wasn't able to skate in the morning and test it out or anything. So I went right to the rink, took warm-ups, heavily taped. foot was so numb, it was so taped. And I was skating around, and I was like, yeah, I can skate, but can't really turn to the right right now. Uh, <laughs> really tough to push off, but I can skate. So if I can skate, I can play. Trainer was on the bench waiting for a thumbs up, thumbs down. I went over to him, gave him a thumbs up, and said, I'm playing. And he said, are you sure? And I said, I'm playing. And so, game started. First couple shifts, I was trying to kind of get a feel for things. Third shift happened, seven seven minutes into the game, and I scored again. Right. And from that, from that moment on, like, I was just having adrenaline. I mean, even before the game started, you know, the horns went off, and I basically I just screamed, just screamed, ah! <laughs> get my juices flowing and try to get adrenaline because once the adrenaline kicks in you know I wasn't really going to feel the ankle much at that point so that and I scored was able to get us on the board first the adrenaline was kicking in playing well and just feeling good and uh, unfortunately we ended up losing that game and right. then had to go to Dallas to, to try to force game seven was promoted to the second line for that game and even ended that even ended game six on the first line uh, which was really Unusual because I basically played the fourth final year. Right. Uh, once again, we lost. We lost that game. We lost in overtime, and our series and our, our season was over. And that was really frustrating. Um, right. I just felt like we, we had such a good team. We could have done so many good things. I was just kind of starting. To, I was feeling individually. I was starting to just come into my own, um, playing how I know that I can play, chipping in, you know, more, more so than I thought I could. Uh, I didn't chip in as much as I I wanted to during the season, but I wasn't in a role to chip in. I wasn't expected to. Yeah. Um, they placed me in, in, in situations to be successful in the playoffs, and I tried to show them and prove that, that I can 
I can do that. I can chip in. I can, you know, be relied be relied upon to, to, to bring offense and to be good defensively. And you know, it was frustrating way to end, but there's always next year. And, and obviously, just the, the year that I've had, the ups and the downs. I, I really, I can't wait for next year. I'm excited. Yeah. Now we're gonna have a good team again, and you know, hope to do uh, some special things for for our team and for the city. Man, that is that is so exciting, and it was incredible to see those playoffs and see you get promoted in that last game. And that was the game Samantha and I happened to be at. No, maybe it's the one before. But anyway, it was amazing to see just, oh, he's getting kind of, from my standpoint, I know you have to wait, I know you have to be patient, but he's getting what he deserves. I mean, he's, to me, he looks like he's uh, the best skater out there, to me. I mean, he looks like he's incredible, so he needs more ice time and more this and more that. And, boy, you just showed, I mean, you just continue to prove time after time. I mean, your talent is incredible, and you make your team better. That's something you just see all the time. You are a team player. Like, you have this incredible individual skill, individual speed, but you also have this vision uh, for passing. You have this incredible defense. It drove me crazy when you were in the minors because... You know, you could tell you were great at defense. You were great at just going up against the boards, taking the puck away, making things happen. And yet it seemed like you were being kept down time after time. So to see this, um, not just a a breakthrough, but a breakout with the playoffs and the pucks, you know, landing in the net, um, it was just amazing. So I am excited. All of San Antonio is excited. All of California, we've got people joining us from all over California loves you Rocco uh, my son-in-law Jordan Nelson is watching Brad Barrows um, your family and Tony is saying we've known Rocco a long time and he's the real deal and that's the thing I mean he is the real deal and Jennifer says Rocco's my favorite player love his grit and determination that is the truth that's the amazing thing though you have the skill but you have the grit and uh, you have the vision you have it all so it's awesome to see, and I cannot wait. Um, I know you, your body needs rest and you're still training, but I can't wait till next year when I think you're going to get to really just prove more and more and um, just how great you are and how great you are for the team. So, um, Rocco, thank you so much for just taking all this time to share with us. Um, do you have any just uh, closing thoughts you want to share with our listeners or with our family and friends watching? I mean, the only thing I can probably think of right now is it's just if if you're listening to this, you're going through something, and whether it's uh, a dream or a goal that you're you're trying to achieve, you keep getting pushed down or, yeah. or whatever it is, um, if it's similar to my situation or not. Yeah. Um, if you can just find that small glimmer yeah. of hope, yeah, just hold on to. It will take you so far. Um, just find that small little that little thing, whether that's one word that someone said about you, one thing that they spoke over you, or one thing that you did in your past where you, you believe that you can do that again in your future, whatever it is yeah. that God spoke to you in the Bible, whatever, whatever it is, mm. find that and hold on to it. And then once you achieve what you want to achieve, yeah. I'll just be satisfied in that. Like, I know I had a good season, but I'm not satisfied with that. I don't expect to go in and just be on the team and just kind of whatever. Like, I... I know that every everything that I've had to gone I've gone through has gotten me here, but I still believe every year is a new year to prove yourself, and every year is a new year to show what you can do, and it's another year to work hard and to continue to try to prove people wrong. So, right, find that hope, and don't ever just be satisfied with where you're at. Man, you are awesome. All right, here's what we're gonna do. Um, thank you so much. That's Rocco Grimaldi. Don't go away, Rocco. 
I'm going to have Ernesto go ahead and turn off our Facebook Live and just uh, talk to you just real quick off air. But listeners, what an incredible word from Rocco, and that blesses me, and I know it blesses you. And I pray that whatever that is, and maybe you need a new, fresh word today, I pray that God is speaking to you now. And if there's a promise that you've forgotten and you've let go, I pray that he brings it to your mind now. And if he's telling you to persevere, if he's saying, and you're feeling a doubt, you're feeling like, well, that's just Rocco. No, it is not. Hold on to whatever God is giving you. It is for you as well. It is for me. It is for Ernesto. It's for our listeners. This is God speaking to you today. So grab hold of it and wherever you are, whatever you're doing, don't be shy today. Don't be timid. Be very bold. One of the things I want to say, I want to say just a note of appreciation. You know, Rocco is one of my best friends. And I want to thank Rocco and Abby. They support our ministry, Very Bold Ministries. We can't do the radio and podcast. We can't do the peanut butter bowl feeding thousands of hungry kids. I can't work with coaches and do Bible studies. I can't be the chaplain for our hockey team here in San Antonio, the Rampage, without faithful support like Rocco and Abby and many others. So I just want to say thanks to them. Uh, for their support. And maybe that's you. Maybe you want to jump on board with us. Email me, steve at verybold.com. Steve at verybold.com. I would love to team up with you as we continue to be very bold. Very bold comes from 2 Corinthians 3.12, where Paul writes, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. So I encourage you, you do have such a hope, such a hope in Jesus. So wherever you are today and whatever you are doing, be very bold. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.